Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message by Reverend Albert Okran. The title of my message is Pressing into Permanent Change. Pressing into permanent change. Many of us can recount persistent situations in our past that God has delivered us from. While they remained, they may have terrified us, controlled us, and looked so powerful. And for years, we may have wondered whether we would ever be free. But today you look back and you can't believe that you've even forgotten that you went through those situations. It could have been a habit, a limitation, a sickness, some satanic affliction, a social stigma, unemployment, debts, or some financial situation that often left you in tears. Today, God has delivered you and the pain is forgotten permanent change is possible. And in this season of sanctification and consecration, miracles are happening everywhere. There are testimonies everywhere and yours is about to be announced. Hallelujah. Now, there are various ways of effecting permanent change, but today we'll focus particularly on how to press forward in a moment of destiny. What is a moment of destiny? Those special seasons in your life when a window of blessing or a window of opportunity opens that can potentially change situations, not just in your life, but those of generations after you. Now, why do we say press into? To press is to cause something to move by continuous application of force or pressure. This morning, we want some things to move in our lives by the application of force or spiritual pressure. In the book of Luke, chapter 16 and the verse 16, we see the word press introduced. Luke, chapter 16 and the verse 16 It says, the law and the prophets were until John. And since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. And everyone is pressing into it. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached. And everyone is pressing into it. You and I are pressing into the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the rule of God in the affairs of men. We say we are in the kingdom when our lives reflect the rule of Christ. The purpose and the counsel of Christ. 
when our lives reflect that which God will have us do, when we enforce God's mandate in our lives, in our health, in our finances, in our business, in our families, then we are talking about the kingdom of God. We want to press into the kingdom. Hallelujah. We want to look at a king who experienced an open window and an invitation to press and from that story learn some lessons about how to enter in a moment of destiny. Turn with me to the book of Second Kings, the chapter 13, and let's read from verse 14 to verse 19. Second Kings 13, verse 14 to verse 19. We are talking about pressing into permanent change. Second Kings 13. It says, Elisha had become sick with the illness of which he will die. Then Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over his face and said, Oh, my father, my father, the chariots of Israel and their horsemen. And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. So he took himself a bow and some arrows. And then he said to the king of Israel, Put your hand on the bow. So he put his hand on it. And Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. And he said, Open the east window. And he opened it. And Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Afik till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. So he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. So he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Syria till you had destroyed it. But now you will strike Syria only three times. May God bless his word. Amen. God blessed King David when he was king of Israel and established a covenant with him and said to him, I will bless you and bless your children and your children's children. And if you will hearken to my voice, and your children will obey me. I will put your enemies to flight before you. And so God established this covenant with David. And God kept his side of the bargain. But along the line, Israel from the latter part of Solomon onwards began to go after Baal and worship other gods from other nations. And so God permitted the nations around them to prevail over them and different nations gave them very difficult times. And at this point in their history, the Syrians had become a persistent problem. From the time of the father of King Joash to his grandfather, 
every king of Israel suffered at the, at the hands of the Syrians. And even when they seemed to be making progress, they would lose again to the Syrians. There are seven key stages and lessons in this story that are instructive for us as we think about open windows, seasons of miracles, and how to press in for ourselves and our children's children. Pressing into permanent change. The first thing we see is a cycle of persistent defeat. A cycle is something that repeats itself. A cycle is something that is continuous, recurrent, something that always comes back. It will seem to have gone and then it comes back again. Israel was experiencing a cycle of persistent defeat. Now, Syria represents that long-standing problem that continues to defy solution. That problem may be the result of your own disobedience or it may simply be a challenge that is too big for you to overcome. Now, if you look at the story of the woman with the issue of blood, the Bible says she had spent her money on several physicians. What does it mean? It means that she will hear one day that there's a good one here and go with a lot of hope and all her money and be disappointed again. That was a cycle of persistent defeat. The man by the pool, Bible says he was there for 38 years. And any time the angel stirred the water, he would make some effort. He said to Christ, any time I try, somebody else gets there before me. That is a cycle of persistent defeat. And there's somebody looking at your life and saying that in my life also, in a certain area of my life, whether it's in my spiritual life, in my character, in my family, in my finances, in my health, there is a certain persistent problem that has defied solution for years. And you sit in God's presence today and you say, I have tried, I have hoped, I have believed. But the problem is persistent. A cycle of persistent defeat. Now beyond some point, that cycle brings us to the place of helplessness and tears. That is the second point. That place where you say, I don't know what else to do. When Peter told Jesus, we have told all night and gotten nothing. What he was saying is that if you go by the book and go by the theory, we have done everything. But if you look in our hands, we have nothing. Sometimes you look at your effort and you know you have done everything you know how to do. But you look at the results and your effort and your results don't match. And that leads to frustration. Bible says King Joash heard that Elisha was sick and was about to die. And he came crying. Why was he crying? He was crying because this was the person he looked up to spiritually. This was his spiritual mentor or giant. Now, if while Elisha was alive, Syria was tormenting him so much, then what would he do when Elisha dies? 
Sometimes you look at the things you depend on for help and you say, even while those support systems were there, I was still struggling. Now those ones too are being taken away. What should I do? Even the support system that you leaned on for a little help has been taken away from you and you are asking, how do I go forward? But Josh didn't just cry. Beyond the tears, he said some very significant words. He said, my father, my father. Those words connote relationship. He was saying that, listen, even in my fears, even in my doubts, I still believe God can do something. You know, sometimes in your life, you find yourself in a place where your doubts and your fears are traveling together. Your belief and your unbelief are traveling together. He was crying and yet he was saying, but I have hope. I have hope that God can do something. In Mark 9, 24, Bible talks about a man whose child was convulsing. And Jesus came down from the Mount of Transfiguration. And when he asked for help, Jesus said to him, do you believe? He said, I believe. Help my unbelief. The belief and the unbelief were traveling together. And he was saying, I am afraid, but I believe. Help my unbelief. Somebody is believing, but at the same time, afraid. Because of a persistent cycle of defeat. Hallelujah. But God is not moved by our tears. God is moved by our faith. And faith is rising up in somebody. Hallelujah. I said God is moved by our faith. And somebody's faith is rising. When, it, when Joash said, my father, my father, was almost like Moses standing by the Red Sea and crying to God. God said, what do you have in your hands? Pick up your weapons. Elisha said to Joash, the third point, pick up your weapons. There is nobody who has nothing. No matter how insufficient, unprepared, inadequate you feel, there is something God has given you that will give you an advantage. There is something God has invested in your life that will give you an advantage and a victory. Look at your hands today. Tell your neighbor, I have something. Tell your neighbor, there is something in my hands. I may not see it, but it is there. Now what you need is for God to open your eyes to that weapon he has given you. It could be a relationship. It could be an asset. It could be something, some wisdom God has given you. The fact that you do not know does not mean it is not there. The story is told about a young man whose father was very rich. And he kept pestering his father to give him a car. The father wanted him to learn the wisdom. He wanted the car. It's a typical battle between parents and children. Eventually, on his birthday, he asked the father again for a car and the father gave him a Bible. Wrapped up. And he was so disappointed that when he began opening the Bible and he saw it was a Bible, he put it in his closet and refused to open it. For 20 years, lamenting about the father who was so miserly and so stingy, 20 years later, his father died. And after the funeral service, he went into his room and they remembered the gift that had not been opened. And it was in his closet. And so he took out the 
partially open gift and out of respect for the dead, open the full gift. Only to find out at the same place in Matthew where the Bible says, ask and you shall be given, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened was a car key to a sports car and the note to go to the car company and drive the car away. Friends, God can invest something in your life and for years you can cry and lament and say you have nothing but in your hands are the keys that can change your destiny. Tell somebody I have something. Oh, tell the person I have something. Tell the person there is a weapon in my hands. The greatest weapon God has given all of us is not even physical. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to 5, Bible establishes that if nothing, every one of us has a spiritual weapon that can give us the victory. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and the verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and everything, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hallelujah. Some strongholds will fall. Syria will fall flat. Some arguments against your progress will be thrown down. They will be cast down because the word of God will be lifted up in your life. Arguments are falling. Strongholds are falling. Barriers are falling. Limitations are falling. Why? Because the weapons that we carry are not physical. Amen. Elisha said to Joash, pick up your weapons. The fourth thing he did was significant. When Joash picked up his weapons, Elisha put his hands on King Joash's hand. What was he saying? That without God's help, your ability is limited. Without God's help, your wisdom can only take you so far. Without God's help, your plans can only make progress to some point and get stuck. But the reason we are confident is not because of the arm of flesh, but because a divine hand that is bigger than ours will be superimposed over our hands. And so your hands that look so inadequate will be empowered by something bigger than yourself. May somebody receive new strength. May somebody receive new ability. May somebody receive new wisdom. May somebody receive new grace. May something that looks inadequate suddenly look so big because of a divine superimposition. When the angel came to Mary and said, Mary, you are about to have a child and you will be the Messiah. Mary said, hold it a minute. I don't think you know my story. If you know my limitations, you will not say this. In Luke chapter 1 verse 34, Luke 1 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this thing be since I do not know 
a man. Somebody is asking, how can I experience a season of miracles since I have nobody? The man by the pool said, how can I be free when I have nobody to push me when the angel stirs the water? Sometimes you look at your life and you hear what God is saying and you say, I don't have the resources. I don't even know anybody in an influential place. My background is not good. My hometown is not nice. There is nothing about me that qualifies me for this season of miracles. Mary said to the angel, how can the things you are saying come to pass? In verse 35, the angel explained how God will do what he's about to do in your life. And the angel answered and said to, and put your name there. And the angel answered and said to Albert, to Esther, to Kwesi, to Ajua, to James, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that holy one who is to be born will be called the son of God. You see, when God superimposes his strength on you, the thing that you will birth, no person can take the glory. It said the Holy Spirit will come upon you and a divine power greater than you will overshadow you. May God overshadow somebody's business. May God overshadow somebody's health. The doctor may give you their report and sound so convinced, but may the power of the highest overshadow the medical report. Your child may be struggling with their education and you may have tried everything you know and be praying about it. May the power of the highest overshadow that educational report. Your finances may be in trouble and you may be owing over and over and over. May the spirit of God come upon somebody and may the power of the highest overshadow somebody. Shout divine imposition. Say divine imposition. Say divine imposition. Hallelujah. The spirit of the Lord will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. And that which you will do beyond today, it shall be called a miracle. That which will happen in your life beyond today, it shall be called the doing of the Lord. Because you will know you couldn't have done it by yourself. It is only Jehovah who made it possible. Hallelujah. The fifth thing that happened, Elisha, after empowering Joash's weapons, said to him, open the east window and shoot the opening of a window speaks of opportunity. When you are in an enclosed and limited place and a window is open for you, it speaks of opportunity. It speaks of newness. It speaks of a way of escape. It speaks of access. An open window connotes opportunity. But it wasn't just an open window. He said, open the east window. Symbolically, the sun rises in the east. And so when you go through a moment of darkness, and the darkest hour is before dawn, and you open 
the window towards the east and you see the sun rising, it tells you it's a new day. It is a new season. You may have experienced darkness, but guess what? The sun is rising on you. I came to tell somebody the sun of righteousness is rising on you. I came to tell somebody the past may have been dark. The challenges may have been fierce. It may have just been the darkest moment in your life, but the sun is rising upon you. It is a new season. It is a new day and the east window has opened upon your life. Hallelujah. The east was also significant because it was that part of their land that the Syrians had occupied. Elisha was simply saying, open the window and face your problem face to face and tell your problem enough is enough. In those days, when you wanted to go to war with somebody, you shot an arrow in their direction. When the arrow lands, it's a declaration that we are at war. It's a battle. Elisha was saying, now that you have been empowered in this season, go back to the same place where you failed and look the problem face to face and declare war. Somebody is about to look at your fear. Look at the problem you have faced that you have given up on and said it is impossible and say enough is enough. In this season of miracles, you will bow the knee. You will bend the knee. You will fall flat. Why? Not by might, nor by power, but by the supernatural imposition of Jehovah God. Somebody receives strength in your arms. Somebody receives strength, mental strength. Somebody receives spiritual strength. Somebody receives understanding. Somebody receives boldness. Somebody receives courage. Open the east window and shoot. And so when Elisha said to him, open the window and Joah shot the arrow, Elisha made a powerful statement. He said, this arrow is not an ordinary arrow. You may have flown or, or you may have struck a number of arrows in the past, but note this one. He said, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. In verse 17, the second part, he said, this is the arrow of the Lord's deliverance and the arrow of deliverance from Syria. For you must strike the Syrians at Afek till you have destroyed them. What is Syria? Syria is the same problem that has been harassing you for years. Syria is that problem that you have no solution to. And so the divine assurance, the sixth point is a divine assurance that says this same problem that has disgraced you, harassed you, tormented you, this arrow that God has empowered is bringing that problem down forever. In this season, God is giving somebody a divine assurance. You may have come before the Lord several times. You may have waited upon the Lord in the past. And so when they announce a season, you say, oh, it happened the last time too. There was a season. In this season of miracles, God wants to assure somebody that the arrow you are shooting is bringing down Syria forever. The seventh thing that happened, having given him that assurance, he now said, now take the rest of the arrows and strike the ground. What he was saying is that now seize your moment 
of destiny. I don't know about you, but if somebody who had a lot of money took out a blank check and asked you, how much do you want? How many have been poor before? You've known poverty before. The real one, not the one that they write about in books. Real poverty. How many have known poverty before? How many have known disappointment before? Somebody promised you or somebody you relied on failed you. How many have known shame before? Embarrassment, difficulty. You've been in a corner before and you said, oh Lord, help me. Now, if you are going through that kind of situation and God sends somebody your way with the means and the access and you ask for just enough to buy your lunch that day, I'm sure you look at yourself and say, but, but what, what, what did I just do? God, through Elisha, said to Joash, in case you didn't understand, this is the arrow of your total deliverance from Syria. Having now told him, he said, okay, take the arrow and strike. What would you have done if it was you? Strike and strike and strike and strike until the priest said, enough, it's okay. Abraham said to God, by the way, let me just ask you one last one, and please don't be angry. What about if there were 10 people in Sodom? Will you still spare the country? Why? Because when the window opens like that, you remember everything, your children and your grandchildren. That's how we do it. But sometimes when God opens the window, sadly, that is the time we just remember that there is some phone call we have to make outside. When God is moving and lives are being transformed, that's when we remember there are some things we must go and see to. That particular day, something else is more important and you don't come to the house of God. When that happens, you miss your moment of opportunity. In my personal opinion, every strike that Joash struck of the arrow represented a length of time of deliverance. And so in my very fertile imagination, I said the first strike was deliverance for a day. Second strike, deliverance for a week. Third strike, deliverance for a month. Bible says he stopped. The fourth strike would have been deliverance for a year. The fifth strike, deliverance for a lifetime. And the sixth strike, even after you are dead, your children will benefit. Your children's children will benefit. And so Bible says when, when Joash struck the third time and stopped, Elisha was angry. How can you be so myopic? How can you not understand what God is doing? And you went just for one month of, of liberty. He said if you had jumped beyond the three times and done five or six you would have won yourself deliverance for a lifetime. And even beyond that, you could have secured the future of your children and your children's children. How many want to believe God that in this season of destiny, in this season of miracles, you can press, you can push, not just for yourself, but for your children and your children's children and generations after you. How many believe? How many want to believe God? Believe God, believe God, believe God to press. There are three ways to enter into the season of permanent change. Number one, awareness. Jacob said, God was here and I even didn't know. You must first be aware that God is doing something. And 
good thing is that God has announced it already. That is a season of miracles. You must be aware. Awareness about what God is doing. The second thing is understanding. Now, you can be aware of something but not know how to react. And so, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the disciples knew that Jesus was there with Moses and Elijah, but they didn't know what to do. So they asked, should we build three houses for, here, for you here so you stay here? Sometimes you know that God is moving, but you just don't know what to do. May God give you understanding. May God give you insight. May God open your eyes into how to react in this season of opportunity. Because every single day matters. Sometimes the window is open for just five minutes. A short time. When, when Joseph stood before Pharaoh, he had a few minutes. If he got it right in those few minutes, he becomes prime minister. If he got it wrong in those few minutes, he goes back to prison. When David stood before Saul, asking to go and fight Goliath, he had a few minutes to convince Saul that he could actually take on a giant because he had fought lions and bears. In those few minutes of destiny in your life, may God give you understanding. May the Lord be with you. May the Lord deliver you from distractions. Distractions are powerful. Just when God is about to speak a word that will touch your situation, you will get a text message. And you look at your phone and you feel like leaving the service to go and talk for a minute outside. And at that moment, you miss it. Am I speaking to somebody? Sometimes just when God is reaching out to you, something catches your attention and instead of focusing on God, you turn your attention to somebody else and get distracted. Awareness, understanding. The last one is pressing. Pressing is where everything comes to bear. When you forcefully push through, when you see the east window open and God gives you the assurance and you begin to push, you say, Father, remember me. Remember my children. Remember my health. Remember my business. Father, don't let this moment pass. You push through something else and you just keep pushing through. Why? Because the window has opened. In this season, don't settle for cramps. In this season, don't settle for something small. God wants to change somebody's destiny forever. I believe with all my heart that financial challenges will fall. I believe with all my heart that health challenges will fall. I believe with all my heart that somebody who was owed for a long time will be free. I believe with all my heart that somebody, somebody will receive one idea, one concept that will change your business and your life forever. I believe that somebody is about to walk into a new place of spiritual experience that will benefit you and benefit your children's children. In this season of consecration, I believe that some habits are about to be broken in somebody's life. I came from God to announce that the east window has opened and God is about to open unusual opportunities in somebody's life. And as you press on, transformation, permanent change is coming into your life. It's coming into your health. It's coming into your ministry. It's coming into your business and blessing not just you, but your children and your children's children. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N.E. Okran and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233-249999000. You may also subscribe to www.albertokran.com, amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, always remember, you are blessed indeed. Searching the light, the light has come.